I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired of it. I, I, I long to get back to normal, whatever normal was or is or could be. Or I, I, I want to get on to what's next. All weekend, the fires filled California skies and the floods turned lives upside down around the rest of the country. We're, we're in that period where it's the not quite after the pandemic, but not even close to the end. It's before normal. It's a long time since we've had a senior pastor, and they tell us it'll be months yet. And it, we live in a world so odd that we get excited when there's 30% of us here in worship. 30% of what it used to be. I, I feel like I'm in the land of wearing a mask, needed or not. I feel like I should do that. But the, the land of wearing a mask, needed or not, is a place that you can get tired of waiting for normal to happen again. And when you're in that special place where it's no longer the disaster, but it's not yet normal, you're in what Jeff Mannion calls the land between. This is an example of his book by the same name, the, the Land Between. And Jeff says that sooner or later, everybody spends time in the land between, or you're with someone who seems stuck in that land between disaster and normal life. It's a, it's a place, that land between, where you learn new words. Maybe the biggest one in the land between is for now. So a student says, for now, I, I, I know I graduated, but for now, I'm living with my parents again. I'm doing the same job I have in college just for now. It's the realtor who uh, late at night is sitting at the counter, and he realized that not last year, but two years ago, he sold 23 houses, and the fifth one of this year just fell through. He doesn't know what's next, but he's in that land between. For now, uh, Laura and I have a young friend, a woman, professional cellist, uh, who was living in another country, working at a hotel, waiting over four years to see if she'd be allowed to stay in Switzerland. She's living in the land between. Sometimes it's dramatic, like the phone call you get late at night, there's been an accident, we need you in the ICU, but, but most times you sort of bump in, you creep into the land between. It's nothing specific, but, but there's a season, you don't know if it's depression or not, but a season where your prayers don't seem to work, where, where our fellowship seems so different than it used to be, maybe just as important I'm not sure what church is supposed to look like in this land between. That's why it's so important for us to do this together. Because the whole Bible, I've come to believe, is a story of people living in that land between. You can actually specifically find the land between, in biblical terms, out in the Sinai Desert. If, if you look up on the map, there's Egypt that land of mighty rivers, the center of the ancient world, and then all the way around the Mediterranean is what will become Israel and, and Palestine. And there's a long gap between. That gap 
It's below the Fertile Crescent, is usually called the Sinai Desert. And that's, that's where you live in the land between. The Israelites have been on a road trip from hell with a half a million refugees and displaced persons stuck like they're inside a quarreling family minivan and surrounded by angry neighbors all yelling at them to leave. You've all seen the movie of the Ten Commandments where Charlton Heston's there and the nine plagues come on Pharaoh and Egypt to get them out. And finally, the Passover spares just the firstborn of Israel and then the flight out of Egypt. Chased by the Egyptian army, guided by a, a pillar of fire and smoke, that splitting of the Red Sea and the going into it and the destruction of the all-powerful Egyptians, they're ready for the promised land, right? They're right on the edge of it. It's right there, right? Apparently not. That's the thing about the land between. It, it, it takes Moses, or God, it takes God less than four weeks to get Moses and Israel out of slavery in Egypt but it takes Israel all of 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. I mean, they were there for 400 years. The gods of Egypt sat right next to the gods of Israel, right on the same shelf. But Egypt had all the power. Now the slaves have become refugees, but they have no clue about this God that's called them out of Egypt, the one they're supposed to learn how to trust and one of the truest things is that the Israelites are not ready to worship God, the one God, in the promised land yet. It may be flowing with milk and honey, but they're not ready. So they're in the land between like we are. As Menlo Church sits in the land between, I'd like us to together learn the lessons that you only learn in the land between. First, that the natural language of the land between is complaining. God wants his people to move from being whiners and complainers and people with big expectations to become people of thanksgiving and praise. In the middle of that desert, the crazy thing is that the people of Israel do not die because God provides in the land between in ways that you never see in normal times. In normal times, you think it's all you. In the land between, you get manna from heaven and quail that drops to the ground, water that comes out of rocks, but you pick it up and you go, what is this stuff? People complain, God provides, and then as we go through the land between ourselves as individuals and a church, we need to say, what kind of leader do we want to lead us in the land between? I mean, the land between is desert, right? The Sinai. But that desert also springs to life. It's fertile ground, and what springs out of the ground of the land between usually is complaints. Because time seems to last forever, and it wasn't supposed to be like this. But again, for now. You know, there's a, a saying that I heard that I think is a myth. Um, time heals all wounds, it said. I don't think that's true anymore. 
I, I think sometimes wounds get better and sometimes wounds get bitter. I believe that one of the reasons we are in the land between is so that we will once again be vulnerable. Because you never learn as much as you do when it really counts. Your heart is in danger in the land between. You have the same old fights in your marriage. You, you sit up late at night wondering if that teenager will ever come home. You have a, a terrible boss, but you can get through this. It's going to be fine. And then the boss does not get their promotion. That's not good news for you. The problem is not that the people of Israel complained out in the desert. The Psalms of David are filled with complaints, yelling, yelling at God with despair. The problem isn't that they complain. The problem is what their complaints reveal about their heart. Because you see, sometimes confusion and complaint and even despair are the only honest response. But it can also reveal whether we've been following God because God would provide for us or whether we've come to love God's provision more than God's presence. That's complaint. Complaint keeps returning and returning and returning. It resists eviction. The Israelites complained 14 different times. We'll be full of complaint or we'll find thankfulness. Thankfulness will evict complaint and complaint will evict thankfulness. That's a, land you can only, a lesson you can only learn in the land between. Uh, let me give an example of this. It is, I believe, um, natural and probably even a good thing to say, hey, what's going on here when the food and the water run out? That, that happens in Exodus 16, chapter 2. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of slavery, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, oh, we should have died back in Egypt. We had pots of meat all around. We ate all the food we wanted. You brought us out into this desert and you brought us to here to starve. That makes sense. And if you're honest, there are times when complaining makes sense to you. Let's, let's place ourselves inside this story. Not pretend like we're above it. Oh, we'd never be like that. I got to tell you, I've, I've done my share of complaining in the land between. My, uh, my, my sharpest memories of it were after I became a follower of Jesus, after I decided that I would choose working in ministry instead of going to law school. After I met Laura, I'd already done youth ministry for about five years, but then I went to seminary and got my degrees uh, but to even get an internship, I had to go back to being a student director at a church. So I did it for now, the land between. I'm doing it for now, for a year or so, so I could get on to real ministry. But for almost three more years, I was everybody's favorite second choice. For now, I'm the student pastor while the youth group is flourishing, but there's more because I'm also then the assistant pastor that everybody wants to hear preach instead of the senior pastor. But for now, 
And for now, I have all these dreams of what a church could be like, but you can't execute it from the back seat. I keep hearing from church after church, you are our other choice. But we're afraid you're a little too young. You were the one that most of us really wanted on the committee, but the others were afraid that too much would change. You were the one that the people wanted, but we just don't think we're ready. And as your tolerance level for hearing that goes down, your complaints go up. It's hard not to complain when the son keeps taking the mom to the doctor and the mom keeps calling the doctor her son. It's hard for the student who's worked hard and is loaded with debt, unsure if there really ever is going to be a job out there. For now. So the first thing that we find in the land between, we'll talk about next week, it's fertile ground for complaint. But that's not the end of it. You learn lessons in the land between. You'd never have learned back home you'd learn how God provides, but not usually the way we want. We talked about how the Israelites got thirsty and God makes water come out of the rock. They get hungry and manna comes down. It is there in the morning and the quail falls to the earth. But after a while of eating manna and quail, they get tired of it. They don't realize that God is deliberately changing their diet from the flesh pots of Egypt. And it tastes like, I don't know, it tastes like one of those leafy, greeny, grainy, salady things that just, they stick in your mouth after a while. God provides in the land between, but God also is using that time to change my expectations of what I deserve to contentment with what I have. To wean me off of trusting my boss or my own abilities to trusting God. In the land between, God provides. But he's also in the business of changing appetites and even our desires so that we don't turn into a put three shekels in the prayer box and God will deliver like the pizza guy. Trust me. He doesn't want to be that kind of God. And we'll talk about that. If the land between is fertile ground for complaint and for provision, I believe it's also a place where Hearts are transformed and grown like no place else and where you need a special kind of leader to get you out of Egypt. But you need an even more special leader to listen to God and get Egypt out of us. That requires standing firm when people want to move on. It requires discipline when people are in pain. You know, I've come to believe in the land between that discipline is pain for the purposes of redeeming the people that God loves. Discipline and pain and learning go hand in hand if our hearts remain open. That's why the first time you read about the Israelites complaining is in Exodus 16, but On the way to number 14, the next time you hear them complaining is after they've already got stuff to eat. Numbers 11 picks up the story. It says, the rabble with the crowd began to crave different food. And again, the Israelites all started to wail and say, oh, if we only, no, they they probably said it like this. 
Oh, if we only had meat to eat. Remember the fish. Oh, that Egyptian fish and the cucumbers. Oh, I can smell the onions and the garlic. But now I've, I've even lost my appetite. We never see anything but this manna, manna, manna. And it says Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord became angry and disciplined them. The Bible is the story of people living in that land uh, between. Because if God provides, it's usually not the way that I plan. It is the way that God shows that I need. God's saying in the land between, do you trust me? Oh, yeah, 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 I trust you, God. I trust you. I've got a good job. I've got a good car. I've got a good marriage. But do you trust me when those things aren't there? Yes, yeah, sure, God, I trust you. God is saying in the land between, will you trust me alone? Some people will learn to pray, but they'll never really pray for the first time until all that's left is prayer. Some people won't remember that walking with Jesus involves seeing new things and learning new things and stumbling and getting up until they're in the land between where they slowly, slowly learn to trust Jesus as he keeps on walking. Brothers and sisters, I'm excited to go with you out into the desert, into the land between that place where faith goes to die because it also becomes a greenhouse for faith in God alone. So let's put that map up again. Let's see if you can see, where are you today? Are, are, are you there at the edge of the promised land? Things have gotten better. You, you, I mean, you're, you're not there yet, but you can see the promised land right ahead of you, and boy, you can taste it. Or are you, right now, just barely out of Egypt? Maybe during COVID, you started tuning into church again, and, and you feel like you're starting to do the right things, but it's not having the right results. You're new to this journey of faith, this land between, but it all feels strange. Stay with us. This morning, this evening, are you in the land between? Do you feel like you're a stranger in Egypt now? That doesn't fit anymore, but you don't know how far you are from the promised land. You know, it's so interesting that uh, God promises to deliver the people and take them out of slavery and bring them to the promised land. And Moses goes the whole way with him, but he comes to the very edge of the promised land and does not get to go in. It's actually Joshua who takes the people across the River Jordan. But before they go across the river into the land of milk and honey, Joshua turns to the people and says, have you learned? Have you learned from your servant Moses? Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to choose? At the edge of the river, he says, choose today. Whom will you serve? The gods of Egypt? The gods of America? The God of this land? Or will you walk together with us? With the God who brought you out of the wreck, through the land between. Choose life. 
Let's do that together, brothers and sisters. Amen.